blockbuster hits of the last year, and we use that blockbuster hit as a springboard to talk about a spiritual truth. And so it's just kind of an excuse for us to use a contemporary cultural thing that's out there that a lot of us are part of and use it as an as a opportunity to talk about something that maybe has spiritual significance to a lot of our lives. And so we, we did uh, the first week, what did we do? I just forgot what we did. Um, we did Walter Mitty last week. How many, anybody remember what we did the first week? Thank you, Guardians of the Galaxy. We're guardians of something big, right? Thank you. Gee whiz, how did I forget that? Uh, anyway, so, so that's what we're doing. And by the way, here's the disclaimer. Uh, we're, we're not uh, in any shape or form saying that we agree with every thought or philosophy or idea or image that's in the movies. We're just using them as a springboard to talk about something that we think is significant to our spiritual journey. All right? Enough said. Today we're going to use the dawn of the planet of the apes. How many of you, I'm just curious, have seen the movie? How many? Oh, quite a few. The first service had a handful of people who raised their hand. And, and then I asked, how many of you have seen the 70s version of the movie? More of you. How many of you watched on the weekly basis the weekly TV show? Oh, wow. We got all kinds of people in here that knows what's going on today. All right. So let's check out the, the clip and then we'll jump into the message. in a lab. You can't blame the apes. Who the hell else am I going to blame? We need to give them a chance. Welcome to animals. Please. I've seen things. I've seen the way they are. They want what we want to survive. Caesar, home. This is your home. Your home. Are you aware they are going to turn on you? They don't want a war. No, don't shoot! Caesar, you have to go. Go where? Apes! Together! Strong! War, it's not what you want. There must be another way. War has already begun. War has already begun. 
Let me give you a little background here so you understand if you haven't seen it, what's going on. Uh, so uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is actually part two in a sequel of movies, uh, more recent movies, uh, based on a 1963 novel. So this has been around for a while. And in the 70s, as I'd already mentioned, there was a series of movies and even the TV show. And back then it was, I would call it uh, Class A Cheesy, right? <laughs> this is like Class C Cheesy. I mean, it's, there's, it's pretty good uh, as far as effects-wise. <clears throat> and in the movie, uh, a group of genetically altered apes live in seclusion in the mountains near San Francisco. And they are smart, and they get the, you know, one of them actually talks, and they do sign language. And so they're in this kind of a community environment, separated from all the humans and where they're at. And humanity, on the other side, is, is in a situation where they've been infected by this deadly virus, and it's about devastated the whole population of humanity. Uh, and so they're, they're struggling to survive. Humans are struggling, and the apes are, are really moving forward. And so the humans, they want to rebuild, but they need electricity. Electricity's out, there's no power, they're just kind of existing. <clears throat> and the problem is, is the apes live by the dam that could supply the power. And they're trying to set up this and make it happen. And so there's a lot of tension in the movie. There's a lot of this, animosity between the apes and the humans. And they're, they're both afraid and both untrusting of each other. And that's kind of a huge storyline, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. As a result, they find themselves in the middle of an unwanted war. How many of you have ever been in the middle of an unwanted war, right? And so that's what's going on in, in, this, in the movie. There's the character Caesar is the, the lead ape, if you will, and he was the first one. He was, he was actually raised by humans, and he was the first one that was genetically altered. He's really smart. He can talk, and there's this good side about him, but he also has this thing where he doesn't want to trust anybody doesn't want to trust, and trust is this big storyline that's in the movie. Can I trust? Will I trust? And, and we'll talk about that some more here in just a moment. And then there's Koba, who is one of Caesar's right-hand apes. Nobody got that joke before. He's a right-hand ape. Get it? Right-hand man? All right, okay. Okay. All right. One of Caesar's right-hand apes, he is, he's bent on violence and just wants to destroy the humans. I mean, he's just, man, I'm going to do anything to wipe them out and get even and that kind of stuff. And then there's Malcolm, who's a human, and he is willing to try to, to make a bridge, to make it work between the apes. He's willing to risk everything to see if it can't happen. And then there's Dreyfus, who's the leader of the humans in San Francisco, and he only wants to get them back where they were. He just wants to do whatever it takes, get whatever's in the way. I want to just get us back where we were. And so we could talk about a lot of things today. We, we could talk about creation and how we're different from animals and, and all that kind of stuff. And we could talk about that are we all just sophisticated apes, you know, in some way. We just all evolved into something that's really cool. And so... That was random. <laughs> Actually, I knew that was going to happen, but anyway. Um, by the way, I told you we're going to go ape this weekend. We're going ape. We're going ape. We just went ape. We just went ape right there, all right? And, and so we could talk about how we, you know, sophisticated, but here's the, here's the truth about what I believe, and maybe you're of a different understanding. And I think that in the school system, we've all been taught a theory that I believe is not actually true. It's a theory that evolution, I believe in creation. I believe that God 
100% created you and I as human beings as we are today, and that we are created special with his image, and we're created special in the, in, the, in the idea that we can have a relationship with him that no animal could ever have because he's in us and we're part of that. And so there's a very uniqueness about who we are. And so I don't want to spend all of our time talking about something like that, but, but we could have talked about that. But today, I, I want to explore a huge topic that I think many of us face. I, th- I think this is an all-inclusive topic. I think this is one of those things that we all deal with, and that is this, is how do we handle conflict? How do we handle conflict? And, you know, when we're offended, what do we, what do, we do? When we get offended by somebody, and we all get offended, it just happens, what do we do? Do, 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 do we back off? I mean, do we back off and run away, or do we start a war? Do we retaliate? You know, it's kind of like the Nebraska game last night. You know, I mean, after a while, you just get tired of it. You just start throwing punches, right? You, you know, how do we respond to the offense and the actions of others in conflict. How, how do we deal with that? What, what happens? And in the movie, there's a line that Caesar, the lead ape, said that I think is the, the, the paramount thought in the movie, and that was this, is that apes do not want war. In other words, they didn't want it to be that way, but that's what they were involved in. They didn't want to be in the middle of a conflict, but they were in the middle of a conflict. And I think, this is what I, I think, is that's the similar for most of us today. We might be in the middle of a conflict, but none of us say, I want to be in the middle of that conflict. We, it just seems to happen, and somehow we're in the middle of this thing, and conflict is happening even though we don't want to be there, and so somehow we've got to figure out how to work through it. And so at the same time that we don't want it, though, and this is the scary part, is we all have the potential within us to become aggressive and dangerous to those around us. It's in every one of us. It's called our human nature. I mean, there's an ape-type thing going on in all of us, and, and that's that human sinful nature. And that human sinful nature, when I face conflict and I face difficulties in relationships and all those kind of things, if not dealt with properly, it's dangerous. It causes a lot of problems in conflicts and fights and wars and all that kind of stuff. So, so somehow we've got to deal with this. Now, here's the key thought, and this is in your handout today for, in the notes. And is this, is unresolved conflicts from the past affect the person you are today. That could be a conflict that just happened 15 minutes ago before you walked in here. It just happened in the parking lot. Don't look around, just look straight ahead right now. <laughs> but, but that you had this conflict a few minutes ago and it's affecting you right now. Okay, we know that, we get that. You might have had a conflict when you were in high school and it's still affecting you. You might have had a conflict with a spouse or a family member, and it's still affecting you. It's an unresolved conflict in the past affects who I am today. I mean, that's just how it happens. So for some of us, what that looks like is we've become distant. We're not connected to that person anymore. We just pulled away. And some of us, we're just walking around wounded and hurt, and, and life is painful because the conflict that happened way back then, and, and I can't seem to get over it, and, and so it just constantly is this ongoing pain, this ongoing hurt, this ongoing struggle inside me, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it might be, that might be where we're at. And for some of us, it might be you're sitting here right now, and the conflict has so made you frustrated and mad that every day is just another mad story. You're just mad. You're just mad at everybody. It doesn't matter who it is. You're just mad. 
I mean, just mad at everybody because the conflict is not resolved and the anger is still there. I know in my own life, that was a big part of who I was for years and years and years. I just had this unresolved conflict of my upbringing because I grew up in such a crazy backwards lifestyle when I was a young kid. I mean, my parents were social alcoholics, and I kind of had to raise my brother and sister when I was young. I moved out when I was 16. I mean, I had all this stuff going on, and I was angry because there was conflicts in my life that I had no idea how to resolve. I mean, I'm getting better. I'm not there, but I mean, somehow that was part of my story. That was me, and it was affecting the unresolved conflicts of the past were affecting the person I am and was today. And so, here's the first thing, is we need to understand how conflict, we need to understand this, that conflict is natural and normal. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I mean, it's, it's the reality. The reality is, is every one of us, because we have this potential in us, we have this human nature, this ape side of us, if you will, this fleshly side of us, that because of that, it's inevitable that we're all going to find ourselves at some point, in some way, shape, or form in the middle of a conflict. It's just going to happen. So, so I need to get past that. I need to say that the goal in life is not to get to the point where I have no conflict because that's unrealistic. So I have to understand that's what's going to happen. And so at the same time, you need to understand that we will all have that tendency to go a little ape at some point in the journey. And so we got to know, how do I resolve that? It's a hopping ape. Wow. I didn't know Duran could jump like that. <laughs> it's not Duran. <laughs> anyway, those of you that are listening on CD or podcast, we just had an ape run across the stage. All right? People are going, what in the world was going on there that I wasn't there for? So, so we all have this potential in us. We all have this thing, and it's just part of the story. It's just part of who we are. And so at some point, we've got to decide, how am I going to respond? I've got to decide, how am I going to respond? What's going to be? You know, apes don't want war. We don't want to be a part of this, but how am I going to respond? And we have to decide, are we going to protect ourselves, or are we going to risk ourselves so that we can rebuild and reclaim what was lost? What are we going to do? How, how are we going to respond to that? And I, I want to throw out there that the best response is trying to figure out how to resolve the conflict and get to a healthy place versus just ignore the conflict and hope it goes away. I think that we, we, we can do that. And so at some point, we have to make a decision to make a move towards restoration. So here's some basic truths about conflict, and I'll just kind of throw them out. And you'll, you'll probably go, oh, yeah, I can see that. Some basic truths. First one is this. Conflict often starts because of misunderstanding. In other words... I don't understand the other, point, other person's point of view or the other person's story or the other person's life. I don't understand where they're at. And, and a lot of times there's fear, there's assumption, there's all these different things that we put into the situation and it creates a misunderstanding and the conflict just explodes because we didn't understand what was really going on. In the movie... There was a situation where two apes were walking down a path and some men were walking down a path and the men got frightened by the apes because they hadn't experienced that before. They didn't know what was going on. They pulled out their guns and in fear, they shot the apes because they thought they were going to attack them, which they weren't, but there was a misunderstanding. And so it got really ugly really fast because of the misunderstanding. 
Now, last night, uh, Jennifer and I went on a date to the Nebraska game. You know, hot date. You know, runses and, you know, you know all that good stuff. And so we're at the Nebraska game, and, and you know, and we're getting ready to go in, and we, we're going into gate 24, and we're in the south end zone, and we're excited about it, and everybody out, and then the crowd's moving. There's 92,000 people moving around, and it's just crazy, you know, electric. And, and we go to get into the gates. Well, there's like 10 gates, you know, to get in. You show them your ticket. And I don't know about you, but this is how I work. I, I scan the gates, you know. There's 10 of them. I'm looking to see which one's the fastest, which one's the fastest, which one's the fastest. And I pick which I think is the fastest gate. Anybody with me? I, am I the only one that does this? Thank you, thank you. That's just, it's a sickness I have, but I do it at the grocery store. I do it anywhere I go. I just pick the fastest gate. And so I get in there, and I get in line, and we're moving. We get right up to where now we're in the cattle guard thing. We can't leave. We're in the thing. And all of a sudden, three people in front of us, a young student is having problems checking in her ticket, and the guy that's trying to help her, you know, he's probably 102, 107. <laughs> he might be the oldest guy in Nebraska taking tickets. I don't know. And he's trying to do the little scan thing, and it's not working. She's throwing her arms up like this, and he's, she's trying to explain, and he's shaking his head like, no, it ain't going to work. And I'm like, oh, man, I've never seen that happen. Well, behind me, directly behind me, was that lady. right? Come on! What are you doing? What, what's wrong with this line? Come on! Move her to the side. We're trying to get into the game. Do you not know what you're doing? Do you have no clue what is going on here? She probably doesn't even have a ticket. I'm thinking to myself, what in the world is going on? And it takes two minutes. Two minutes. The lady is freaking out behind me. I'm like, honey, what are we going to do? I just kind of lean forward. This is crazy. This is crazy. You know? And so finally, the, somehow the 127-year-old checking guy and the, and the little girl that was trying to get in, they just say, hey, go for it. You're in, whatever. And, and we walk through. And so we get up, and he clicks ours, clicks theirs. And, and the lady behind me, I just want to see what she looked like because I was afraid to even look at her because I thought maybe, <laughs> you guys know how that works? So, I mean, I get out there, and finally, right when we get through, I just kind of glance back at her, and she gives me one of those, like, am I right or not? You know, kind of thing. And I'm just going, no, you're not. <laughs> And I just walked off, you know. I think, like, man, what is with these people? They're psycho, you know, but it just, it's a misunderstanding, you know. Who knows what was going on? I don't know what was going on. I mean, but this lady was freaking out because of something she thought was going on. Anyway, so, so a lot of times it's misunderstanding. Here, here's another one is that it, conflict often reveals the bad side of people. I mean, that's, conflict will bring out the ugly in people. It'll bring out what that lady was last night. And if you're here, I'm glad you're here, but don't do that. <laughs> you know? Um, and so, <laughs> that would be really bad, wouldn't it? Um, and so, it just brings out the bad side of people. And here's why. Because anger comes alive in us. When conflict is unresolved, anger comes alive. And you know what happens with anger comes alive? Things like violence, abuse, and hate, and, 
and vengeance and animosity. I mean, all these things that are ugly about who we are, the ape part of us, that ugly part, comes alive. And so conflict often reveals the bad side. Here, here's another one, is that conflict is often fueled by a lack of trust. Remember I said about the movie that the real issue in the whole movie was that they didn't trust anybody. I mean, the, the humans didn't trust the apes, the apes didn't trust the... The humans, there was just this lack of trust. They just didn't know. And there was reason for lack of trust. Like our lives, a lot of times there's reason for this lack of trust. But the fact is, is that trust is huge in resolving conflict. If I don't have trust in the some shape or form in a conflict, I can almost guarantee you, you won't resolve it. It just won't go anywhere. It'll just kind of sit and spin and spin and spin and not really become anything. I found this great quote, and it says this, If you wait until trust is deserved, you will wait forever. If you wait until trust is deserved, you will wait forever. Because here, here's the thought. Trust is the basic stuff of all relationships. It's the basic stuff of marriage. I trust that you're going to remain faithful to me, and we have that faithful trust thing going on. In friendship, that you're not going to you know, do something that hurt me as a friend. I mean, there's trust there. It's the basic thing. And see, when we lack that confidence, I mean, that conflict then comes alive. See, trust plus risk leads to acceptance. Trust plus risk leads to acceptance. See, so a lot of us, we we can't get out of conflict because the whole trust thing just isn't happening the way it should be. And by the way, we're not saying that trustworthy, we're saying I just put enough trust in this so we can move forward. There's got to be that part of it. It doesn't mean that I'm going to trust you when you get perfect, you know, waiting for it to get exactly what it needs to be. That just isn't going to happen. I mean, that that doesn't happen. Now, there's levels of that. That's a whole other message series, but trust. And, and so trust is a two-way street. And here, here's a little statement I come across. To be trusted, you must trust. There has to be trust in there. Somehow, it's got to be a part of conflict is often fueled by lack of trust. Here's another one. Conf- conflict is often motivated by retaliation. Revenge. Oh, yeah? You did this to me? I'm going to do this to you. You, you, you hurt me, I'm going to destroy you. And that's usually how it goes. Usually when revenge is part of the story, one side does this level, next side does this level, and then this level, and then this level, and this level, and it just kind of escalates because of retaliation. And many times conflict works that way, whether it be in a marriage relationship, family, it just escalates. It just escalates, and it's often motivated by Retaliation. And the last one here is conflict often comes from our desire to not show weakness. It's an interesting one. Here's the reality. The reality of it is every one of us in this room have weakness. Every one of us in this room have a broken desperateness about who we are in relationship to God because we're broken. That's the reality. But conflict wants to disallow that and push that aside and say, I don't want anybody to know that I'm weak, so therefore I'm going to fight to prove that I'm not weak. 
And so that gets in the way. And it's interesting because in the movie Koba, the right-hand ape, Caesar, Caesar, when it was getting really ugly and everything, this was his statement. He said, we must show strength. In other words, he said, let's go on the offensive. Let's attack people. Let's go forward and, and get in their face and make this happen because we don't want to let people know that maybe we don't have all the answers. Maybe we have weakness. Maybe we've got issues. We don't want to do that. So, so let's try for a few moments to understand the conflicts in our lives. Let's just try to figure this out a little bit, and, and hopefully we can come up with a game plan to move forward, all right? And so I want to look at a text of Scripture in James. James uh, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. And actually, I should have put in the next few verses because they're all connected, uh, but this, I just want to look at this. And, and it's in the Amplified Version on purpose today. Amplified Version, by the way, if you do Bible study or reading, say normally we use the NLT a lot of times for Scripture reading. NLT is very, very easy to read, very concise. It's good translation. Amplified puts all the thoughts together. So if you do a Bible study with Amplified, it will take you three times as long because the verse is three times as long, right? But you get all the different angles of what's going on. So James chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, it says, What leads, and he's asking them a question, what leads to strife or discord and feuds and how do conflicts, quarrels, and fightings originate among you? I mean, he starts out and says, here's the deal. Why is there so much conflict in your life? Why is there so many quarrels and wars and arguments and feuds and fightings? Why is that so in your life? He's asking the question. Really what he's doing, he said, before we get going on anything else, let's try to understand why this is happening. And then he kind of gets going into it. So here's what he says. Do they not arise, come up, from your sensual desires? There's something in me that longs for something of pleasure. In other words, I want to meet my need, right? It's very selfish. That are ever warring in your bodily members. He says, that's where they come from. This, this thing inside you, this desire to, to fulfill and get what you want, right? And he goes on. And then it kind of escalates. You are jealous and covet what others have because you don't have what you think you should have. He said, you cover what others have and your desires go unfulfilled. So somewhere in the midst of this whole idea of understanding conflict is this unfulfilled thing. This, this desire within me that doesn't seem to get met. And so because of that undesire, that desire that doesn't seem to get met, I'm going to be in a conflict because I want that. And so I'm going to fight to get it. I'm going to push forward to get that. And it becomes very self-centered and absorbed in that moment. And then it says, and this is, it takes this really weird turn, so you become murderers. Like, whoa, man, this got really intense all of a sudden. I thought we were just talking about a little argument, you know, about who's going to drive the car to where, you know. So you, you, you go and you become murderers, and it explains it in the Amplified. To hate is to murder as far as your heart is concerned. In other words, something started coming alive inside of you that made this thing very dangerous to you and to them. Think about it. Now I'm guilty of something that I probably never wanted to be guilty of. I'm a murderer <laughs> because I had hate in my heart. I had vengeance in my heart. I had... This thing that was judgmental, I was screaming at the lady at the front of the line because she didn't know what was going on. I mean, this anger. Now I'm crossing some lines. He said, you become murderers to hate. 
And it goes on, you burn with envy and anger. So now the anger comes alive. And are not able to obtain the gratification, the contentment, and the happiness you seek. So, and then, so you fight in war. And so what is, here's James' point. His point is this, is the conflicts that are in you is because you're, you're chasing after something that you think is going to please you, but really what you need to do is you need to go chasing after God, and He's going to fulfill you, and you won't have to get into so many conflicts. That's the big picture idea, right? So, so here's, here's my question. How did we get here? How, how do we get here? How do we get, in, how do we get in these verses? I mean, it says that it's a desire in me, and, and I thought about it. We need to understand, uh, uh, have a correct view of the conflict because it's very critical to our understanding. Again, it, he's trying to help us understand here. And we typically view conflict in one of three ways. And I'll give them to you real quickly. I don't think they're in your handout. But here, we view conflict as fate meaning we, we can't get along. We are just incompatible. We will never understand each other. And we just think it's fate. That's just what it is. We're just going to be at war. And we just think that it's fate. And if this is our view of conflict, our journey will typically be one of avoidance and or choosing a path of safety as far as the conflict, uh, away from the conflict as possible. In other words, we'll always try to distance ourselves from conflict. It's just fate. It's just a, we just got to get away from it. We just got to get away from it. That's one view. Second one is we view conflict as failure. And a lot of times I, I run into people that have this, and it, it's this, if we clash, we're bad. If there's any kind of disagreement, we're bad. If we have an argument, I've actually ran into couples that never, ever had an argument because they thought that the argument or the conflict was a bad thing in the marriage. But at the same time, they had zero communication. They couldn't resolve anything, but they just said it's bad, so it's failure to have this. And so our relationships will fail, it, it, I'll be rejected, and if this is my view of conflict, I will al always act like the nice guy or the people pleaser and quickly try to please and to make everyone comfortable, right? So some of you are in this room right now, you're the people pleaser person, and if there's an argument, boy, you're just trying to real quickly calm it all down. I mean, anything you can do, just don't, 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 don't have a conversation about it. Don't have a conflict. Don't have an issue. Don't. And you try to calm everything down. But usually what happens is that person becomes a bottler. And that person, usually it's just a matter of time before the bottle explodes on some part of the relationship. Somehow, some way, it's going to come out. It's just a matter of time. And so if I'm viewing it as failure, I have to understand this is going to cost me. And so maybe this isn't the correct view either. And here's another view. We view conflict as favor. It is my God-given right to show you your error and defend and to defend my truth. God has put me on the planet to let you know what's true. <laughs> I know everything about anything. And I'm here to tell you everything. <laughs> Listen closely. <laughs> right? And I feel like I have this favor thing about me because nobody else gets it, but I get it. My opinion is the best opinion. My opinion is the right opinion. And I see it the way nobody else sees it. And I understand it the way nobody else understands it. And if you have that, then your view of conflict will be rigid. If there's a an argument or a conflict, it will get ugly really quick because somebody is challenging your opinion. Your opinion is right. You will be a perfectionist. You will more than likely be judgmental. And people with this view tend to love their own opinion because they think they're the only one that is right. 
those people scare me, and therefore I scare myself. <laughs> Just being honest up here. Honey, that wasn't that funny. <laughs> She's died over here. She's rolling on the ground. Wow. Confession is good. I went first. <laughs> Where's the ape? Where's the ape? <laughs> so, so you know, I uh, lost my train of thought here. So James says it's all about our desires. We want something. Here's, here's a fill in the blanks. We want something we think is going to make us complete. We want. It's, it's about this wanting thing. It's desire without fully understanding. And then another thought from James is we think the other person is in the way of our happiness. The reason why I'm not happy is you. (laughs) Because it's you, we need to fight. We need to get into a battle here and go through this thing. And the last thing James is saying then, he says, so we want something that we think is going to make us complete. We think the other person is in the way of our happiness. And we attack so we can get what we want. We go ape a little bit because this thing is in us that we just think, I've got to get what I want to get. (laughs) Sneaky little booger. And so this isn't going how I want it, so I'm going to attack. And that happens. So so how do we respond, all right? How do we respond as I close? There's five possible responses to conflict. There might be more, but these... And I found this in an old book. It's called Caring Enough to Confront. It's a great book. Uh, if you can find it, I don't know if it's still in print or not. A great book. I think it is. Um, but at times, each one of these responses is okay. But the goal is actually the last response. Okay, listen to that closely. At times, each one of the responses might be appropriate. But the goal is to not stay in one of those earlier forms of response, but to move to the last response. That's how I handle conflict. Okay, real quickly. First one is this. I win, you lose. That's how we're going to respond. I win, we lose. We've got to, you know, somebody is, is, it's black and white. Someone is totally wrong and someone is totally right. That's how we're going to deal with conflict. And it doesn't always work like that, does it? Especially if you haven't built enough relationship to really be able to process some of the things. You know, it's a power move. And so the goal of being right is huge and bigger than the, the relationship itself. And let me just give you a, a word of advice. As a friend, as a pastor, as somebody that does it wrong more than once, has done it wrong more than once, pick your battles carefully. Pick your battles carefully. Not everything is worth fighting over. Matter of fact, there's probably a lot fewer things in life that are worth fighting over, and we fight over everything. Pick your battles carefully. Second one is this, is I want out. I want out. This is hopeless. I'm out of here. You will never change. So I'm withdrawing. The healthy side of this, and when it's appropriate, it's like, when is that appropriate? The healthy side is when the relationship and the conflict is abusive or violent and it's destructive, then boundaries are okay at that time, but it's not the goal. The goal isn't that I just have incredibly big, huge boundaries in my life. No, it's that you resolve the conflict, that you get to a place where it's restored. So I want out is a, is a possible response. Third, next one is I will give in. It's easier just to go with the flow. Just be nice, go along, stay friends. 
Let's have big fake smiles. How you doing? I'm okay. Really, how you doing? Oh, I'm great. No, really, how you doing? Oh, I'm great. I'm going to kill him. <laughs> right? Because that's what happens. And, and, and so at times, though, I do need to give in because it's not worth the battle to fight at that stage in a relationship. I have to know because I'm trying to work towards someone. I'm, I'm working towards this. Next one is I will meet you halfway. And a lot of us think, man, that's got to be the best one, isn't it? Meet somebody halfway. I mean, come on. You give, I give, there's compromise. Yeah, it sounds really great, but here's what happens if I do that all the time about everything. Is a lot of times I'll end up with half-truths. I'll end up with mediocre. I'll end up with things that aren't really the best. They're just adequate. They're C's, maybe, instead of an A. They're not the top line, they're the middle line. And, and so I just kind of miss out on some things. But at times, that's very important because, I, again, I need to build some bridges so I can get maybe to number five. And here it is. I will share truth and grace. I will speak the truth in love. I will speak the truth in love. A lot of us are really good at speaking truth, but not very good at loving. I, you know, I know the truth. Well, okay, great. Is there love, though? Because here's the deal. If you have truth, but you do not have love, keep your truth to yourself. Because all you're going to do is just create more fights, more wars, more battles. That's all that's going to happen. Matter of fact, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12 says, Hatred stirs up quarrels, but love makes up for all offenses. So truth. I'm going to speak the truth. You know, there's something going on. Jennifer and I, we're in a place in our marriage and our relationship where we find ourselves being really open about how we feel in truth. And sometimes it's hard to keep love really connected to that tightly because once it just becomes truth, right? But if it's love, it works. I mean, if there's truth and love, there's something about that. Truth and grace, truth and love. See, grace has to do with things like forgiveness and peace and covering. And by the way, grace is undeserved favor. It doesn't, I'm going to give it to you because you deserve it. I'm going to give it to you because you don't deserve it. And because of that, we can mend this thing that's broken in our relationship, the conflict. Here's a few verses. Matthew 18, verse 15, it says, If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. Don't go publicly go privately. There's a reason for that. Because of love. See, truth without love goes public because I want to hurt them. I want to bring them down. I want to make everybody know how terrible they are. But truth with love goes privately to point out the offense. If another person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. Colossians 3 says, make allowance for each other's faults. Implied, we probably all have faults. And forgive one, anyone who offends you. Remember, and here's the reason why, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. In other words, don't forget how much God has forgiven you and try to do the same to those around you. You're not all that, and God forgave you. You don't have it all going on, and God forgave you. You don't have everything right. You've made huge mistakes. You've done stupid things. You went across the line. You did all that, and God said, I love you, and I forgive you, not because you deserve it, because of love. 1 Corinthians 13, typically read at weddings, love is patient. 
and kind. Honey, are you getting this? Just checking. All right, just checking. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. In other words, it's not about me. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no records of being wrong. It's got a short memory. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices. Notice what it rejoices about. Whenever the truth wins out. Connected with love and grace. Connected. It's love and grace. It's truth and grace. It's this idea that that's God, the goal of where I'm at. I want to get there. Might have to go through some processes to make that happen, but that's where we need to go. Last thing as I close. Caesar, in the movie, had this line in there, and it stuck with me. It said, apes started the war. Humans, though, won't forgive. I said, Lord, let it not be that of us. Let it not be that we started a conflict and we weren't ready or willing to forgive so that we could move forward with it. Let it never be the story of who we are, that somehow we held on to it, held on to it, and held on to it, and never got to a place of truth and grace and found restoration. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the simple truth of the message today that God... If we've got unresolved conflict in the past, it affects who we are today. And so, Lord, help us, God, to respond appropriately. Help us, God, to walk forward and speak the truth in love. That, God, we wouldn't hold on to things. God, we wouldn't want to fight and war, but instead we would want to be restored. So, Lord, I pray for every person in this room that maybe is in the middle of a conflict, that, God, they would choose today what's appropriate. What's the right response? What's the right way to respond to the conflict, God, that brings about restoration and not more conflict? Lord, let it be so. In Jesus' name, amen.